Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, recovery, addiction, and other dumb shit. My name is David. My name is Chris. And here we are again, in the fabled Lower East Side of New York City. Why is it fabled? Uh, because there's a lot of good stories that come from the Lower East Side. Okay. Great stories. Mm. Um, I yeah. watched The Wolf Pack recently. It's not that good. No, it kind it's of really dragged on a bit. I went, I it could have been like a 20-minute, 30-minute deal. Dude, 15 minutes. It's like, who cares? <laughs> the only interesting thing is that they live right there. You can see it. That's yeah. what I was saying. It was actually funny because they show the view from the window. Yeah. And I was like, that's right next to... You can see the end of the Williamsburg Bridge. Okay, why don't you tell the listeners what the Wolf Pack is? The Wolf Pack is a documentary about a group of kids who grew up in their apartment and almost never left. Like they were they, no, no, they were not allowed to leave. They weren't allowed to leave. The father was this crazy alcoholic who wouldn't let the kids leave. Yeah, but he was also kind of like like he was interesting. I guess he was like a like an ink and trail guy, you know. He didn't seem abusive. Like the funny thing is, no, no, no. The funny thing he was definitely abusive in one sense. But the kids were actually pretty well adjusted to life, having lived in that setting for so long. Does that make sense? Yeah, but he was abusive to the oh, mother was, and the kids. Yeah, he was totally abusive and overbearing, but it didn't seem like he was like physically abusing them. Do you know what I mean? Like the kids actually he locked them in the apartment. The kid, they weren't. They couldn't. I'm leave. not debating. That's totally fucked up. What he did it was abusive. How many of them were there? My my point is. Wait, how many of them were there? Five, like seven, or something. And how big an apartment was it? It was small. It was like oh, like this. Yeah, seven kids. Dude, I'm not debating that. My only point is that the kids were like happy and stuff. Well, did you, they had did each you get other. that? Yeah, they seemed like pretty happy. They also seemed crazy. If I was locked, they did. They were crazy in the set. I mean, yeah, they were pretty crazy. They seem like they're having a good time. I wonder what they're yeah. doing now. Do you they're, think they're trying locked to be directors. They said that at the end they're trying to be film directors. Do you think they're all locked in there right now? I don't know. Over there? <laughs> Remember one of them went out and he just put a paper bag over his head? And yeah, they called the cops awesome. on him? That was awesome. Why did he put a paper bag over his head, though? Because he didn't want to be seen. <laughs> but wouldn't he be so much more noticeable? I know. With him? He That's thought he was just... like the unknown comic. <laughs> Do you remember that guy? Do you remember that? That was from before your time. There was no. a comedian in the 70s who would just perform with a paper bag over his head. And he called himself the unknown comic. Was he, he good? No, but it was really funny that he had a paper bag on his head. Yeah. Maybe he was good. It's actually before my time, too. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to read some emails. Wait. Uh, I found a new show where the drug using is very profound. The show Vinyl. Oh, yeah. I watched, like, most of the first episode. That was kind of cheesy. I it's wanted inc- to like it. It's incredibly cheesy. But uh, in the last episode, in the season finale... The lead singer of this punk rock band, who's a heroin addict, uh, is very upset because the A&R girl that signed him fucked him and his bandmate at the same time, and he's very jealous, so he decides he's going to go on a crazy dope run. So, he, not at the same time, <coughs> at the same time. At like, the same time. No, like, literally at the same time? At the same time. Like, in the same room at the same time. Yes. And he's, why is he jealous? Like, because it's bad writing, and then the kid is played by Mick Jagger's son, and he's a horrible actor. Yeah. Um, or at least his performance in this thing is not terrific, in my opinion. And I... I Say that with all due respect to Mick Jagger and his son. I just don't think he's that great. What, do you think he's listening? I don't know. James Jagger, are you listening? If you are, drop us a line at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. But so check it out. In the end of the episode, he, he fucking overdoses on heroin. and uh, But he doesn't die. 
they like revive him in the in the bath or whatever, and then they bring him down. And their band, which is called the Nasty Bits, yeah. is opening up for the New York Dolls. You know the New York Dolls? No. They're like one of the most influential uh, punk bands in the history of the world. Uh, they were fronted by, uh, you know, Buster Poindexter? No. Hot, hot, feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, party people. Yeah. All, anyway, Buster Poindexter, before he was Buster Poindexter, was David Johansson. That's his real name. Yeah. And he was the lead singer of this punk rock band called the New York Dolls. And they were like the first pretty big band to dress and drag. They influenced the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, the Clash. They were a huge band. And so in the show, this James Jaggers band, the Nasty Bits, is opening for them. But he ODs right before the show. So they get him down to the show and he's like catatonic, doped out. Yeah. And the lead guy is like, what's wrong with this guy? He's all fucked up. What yeah. are we going to do? And they're like... What is he ODing? And they're like, well, he OD'd, but now we just can't get him to wake up. He goes, fuck that. You got any Coke? Yeah. And he <laughs> takes a vial of Coke, dilutes it in water, yeah. and shoots the nasty bit singer who's ODing on yeah. heroin up with Coke. Does he, like, he mainlines it? Yeah. That's what you do. It works. It and actually he snaps works. right out of it, yeah. and he gets on stage, and they bring the house down. It actually works. That does Tell work. us the story. What story? What, you've been ODing, and somebody shot you with Coke, and you came out? I have shot people with coke who are OD. Really Very reckless. And then they just go, Dude, lights go right on. This is how bad it is, all right? This is this is probably one of the most fucked up things. And I am completely owning that this is utterly reckless, okay? So I was in a sober living with this uh, this two kids, right? And we were shooting dope and, we, and coke. And one of the kids I worked with, the other one was staying at the sober living. We were just visiting him. This shitty sober living in Pasadena. And so... The kid overdoses uh, on dope. One of them overdoses, right? And he I don't even know if he overdosed. Where were you shooting? In a sober living. In, in the sober living. Yeah, in the sober living. And so he's laid out on the bed, and we're like, like, slap him in the face as hard as you can. Like, nothing. He's breathing, but there's just nothing happening. All right, so we're like, what are we going to do? My friend's like, let's fix him with Coke. And I'm like, that's a great idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I never even, like, we were just like, we didn't even know. I didn't even How know there was a thing. Like, 21, 22. Nice. And so we go – this is my favorite part of the story. And again, this is so reckless. So we go to draw up the shot of Coke that we're going to potentially save this guy's life with. And we're putting it in and we're like, oh, wait, like, that's too much. Not because we were nervous. Because you didn't want to give up the Coke. <laughs> we didn't want to give him the Coke. And so we fix him with Coke and he literally just like kind of like moves to the right. He's like, oh. I'm like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> And that was it? That was it, yeah, and he was fine. But he didn't come alive. No, no, no. He, he just, like, fidgeted. This guy on the show came alive like it was Narcan or something. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. a big shot of Coke, dude. That will happen? Oh, my God, dude. See, I think oh vinyl my God. is, It's scary like, what it does. Do you not, ever shoot Coke? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what it does, dude. Yeah. Like bell ringers? You ever had a bell ringer? What is that? When you shoot a lot of Coke and it's... Yeah. But I, um... I would shoot coke when I didn't have dope just so I could shoot something. Oh, yeah. But um, I don't like coke. And uh, and I don't like vinyl. But I love vinyl. But you can't stop watching it? I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's so bad. Nothing's going to touch that episode of Girls, though. That was a classic, That was a right? great episode. It really was. I was taken aback. You were moved. You I was Chris, moved. Chris was fucked up in here. He's rocking back and forth on the couch. <laughs> I have to. I have to congratulate Chris because we. Chris always comes in with these high hopes of recording six episodes at a time, 
and I always know that Chris doesn't have the attention span for it. <laughs> and usually, in the second episode, he's rocking back and forth and fidgeting, but I think he's putting out colossal effort right now, because he's right there. I think he was so excited that I told this story of waking somebody up with coke. You should see the smile on his face, where he, he could tell a coke shooting story. It was just, it was a beautiful thing. Um... Anyway, Chris really wanted to do um, have this episode be more emails, and I think that is a really good idea. All right, so we'll do emails. And I just want to thank everybody who writes emails. Troy, the other Troy. Who's the other guy that wrote an email? All those old guys that wrote emails. I forget. Yeah. We love you, though. All right, well, this one is from a woman, Emily. Emily, yes. All right. So I'm going to read you Emily's email. Hi, I'm loving your podcast. I've listened to all the episodes within four days and was stoked to see two more loaded yesterday. Listening to it now. Some deets on my demographic. 27 years old from Columbus, Ohio. Female. Did you see her? Uh, I don't remember. Found you by searching addiction. Social drinker and herb user. Never have tried any other drugs. Herb user. Yeah, herb. Herb. Uh, I have a weird obsession with addiction and the control it takes over people's lives. I'm also an avid... avid so she's not an addict. Yeah, she's not. Maybe I didn't read this email very closely. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, I'm also an avid listener of the Share podcast, which basically is hour-long episodes of how people have gotten super deep in their addiction and have found a way out. Have you heard this podcast? Uh, I've seen it. I've never listened to it. I mean, you've seen it. It's just like people shares from AA, I think. I've seen it. It's like a popular like recovery podcast. It's so much more it's popular a, than ours? Yeah, everything's more popular than ours. It's a recovery podcast. Okay. Um, I love the objective of Dopey, telling us crazy stories about times when you were using. I also feel super friendly with both of you. I feel like I know a lot about you guys already and hope that friendliness continues throughout the series. At some point, you should both tell your stories about the rock bottom... And how was the last straw that brought you to recovery? I think it would be interesting. Also, I would like to know how Chris approached rehab differently when he actually did it the right way. Keep it up, guys, and stay on the sober train. P.S. Chris, stop burping. Emily. Isn't that a nice little email? I didn't realize that Emily wasn't an addict. Yeah, you don't pay attention. No. That's why Chris handles the emails. I'm, I'm just... My attention span is just not great. Mm. Now, even better... I have to read Chris's response to Emily. Dave called me up about this. Had a firm talk with me about it. Chris was so upset, too, because he he was... It's just such a a low-down thing that Chris did. It's just so... I'm going to read you. It's not that low-down. I'm going to read you what Chris wrote. You're blowing it out of proportion. Chris writes, Hey, Emily! Exclamation point. Thanks for the email. You guys ready for this? Uh... You guys, I hope you guys are ready for this. This is what this is what Chris writes to our listener, who we do not know, who took the time to write an email. Chris writes this again: "Hey Emily!" Exclamation point. Thanks for the email. I will stop burping. I can't even read it. <laughs> Instead, I will rest my anus on the microphone and blow you a kiss. And I, I read this, and I, I just could not believe that I read this. So I call up Chris. I'm like, dude, you can't fucking tell the listener that you're going to blow her a kiss from your anus. Nobody wants that. And Chris was already mortified. He was like, he was like I hear you. I, I got to go. <laughs> it was the first time Chris ever got off the phone with me immediately. He was so upset. You were upset at yourself. I thought it, no, I thought it, you know, I thought what? it made sense in the moment. No, what you said 
what he said was, I don't know why I did it. (laughs) I was debating with myself whether I should mention this anal kiss. And then, and I, I can only imagine the stuff he texts the women he's dating. Nothing like that. You I never, I, there's no anal kissing? No, going no. Anyway, I will definitely share, spelled S-H-A-I-R. Yeah. And that's more popular than dopey? Yeah. Share? Yeah. I would spell it S-H-A-R-E or share, C-H-E-R. It's share, like, because you have a chair and you're sharing from the chair. That's bullshit. I guess. These fucking idiots. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for the info and thanks for letting us know how you found dopey. If you're using the iTunes app, oh, here we go. Uh, it would be awesome if you dropped a good review, yeah. which she didn't. Uh, she said, I think she said she did. And I think the only reason she didn't is because of the anal <laughs> fucking kiss. <laughs> I will share what was different in the last rehab and read your letter, too, if you're okay with it. Please let us know if you have any other questions slash feedback best. Chris, here we go. The best part. P.S. Feel free to look me up on Facebook or whatever, because Chris I'm is trolling cool. the listeners. <laughs> I'm a cool guy for women. Just laid back. Yeah, just laid back. Anyway, Chris, why don't you tell us um, what was the thing that you wanted to know? Oh, and she did leave a review. Thank you, Emily. Emily, thank you, and I'm really sorry about the anal kiss. But it wasn't could, an anal kiss. It was. Uh, I will rest my anus is. on the microphone and blow you a kiss. Like a fart. Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> I don't know why my sensibility is so uh, genteel. I think I sudden. wanted to say something like kiss my ass, but it just came out weird. But I wanted to say it like, like friendly. <laughs> I, I, all the things I'm thinking, I just don't want to say. Um, now, why don't you tell the story about... I can't, t- I'm realizing I can't tell my rock bottom story. No, rock bottom, I mean, that's a whole episode. Right. So why don't you tell how Chris approached rehab differently when he actually did it the right way? I'd like to know too, Chris. How did you approach rehab differently? Well, you were there when I started approaching rehab differently. Well, when I was there, you were not doing it the right way. I think the miracle happened when you left. Dude. <laughs> it's the last- I was there about four months after you left. I'm aware of this, but that's not the point. The point is that after that, you wound up relapsing on ecstasy in a halfway house that you were managing. Yeah, but there's an additive effect to rehabs. And that was the first time I, like, took it seriously. It wasn't the first time I seriously tried to get sober, but it was the first time I, like, followed advice. The first time you followed advice. Uh. (laughs) Okay, well, so that's basically the answer to the question. If the question is... How one, how one approaches rehab differently. It's actually approaching it to get sober as opposed to... Yeah, but I think she's really asking is what was the change in your mental, mental status where you decided to actually listen to somebody? I mean, and that happened... Yeah, so what was it? Factors. When did you really get tired of being sick? Well, I went into that rehab and I got a letter from my father. He said he couldn't talk to me for a year. Um, because but he did. He tried to talk to me after like six or seven months or something. I didn't talk to him for like six or seven months because it was just like I would always like like run away and end up like on the street and after like got kind of hard, I'd like call him and he put me in like a rehab or something, you know? So he basically was like, I can't like help you anymore. You're done. As he was paying the check for your rehab. He, they were like, this is the last time you can go to rehab. 
Was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I went. So that was, you know, that hit me. You know what I mean? Um, and then I went off to this rehab and I was sitting in there and I just was skipping groups. So, like, they come around and go in your rooms to, like, see if you're, like, going to group, you know? And I would go hide in the closet. Um, but why would, you, why would you be at rehab and not do the stuff? Well, because I was like, at this point, I was like, okay, I'm going to stay sober. You know what I mean? And I was like, but I don't need all this rehab stuff. I've already been 15 times. So I'd hide in the closet and avoid it. And I surrounded myself with books. And I'd just read a lot on my bed. Um, and then I was like sitting there. And I, I was just like, I've done this so many times. And I just was like, I sat on, like, been like, okay, I'm going to stop. And just done the same exact behavior that I was doing pretty much the whole time you were there like a month and I was like all right I'm just gonna like follow somebody else's advice and I trusted my counselor that I had there who had a really like tumultuous history that I identified with in terms of like his drug use and uh I just decided that I was gonna do everything he told me to do even if I didn't agree with it or think it was the right thing and just that decision my life got better as soon as it did. It was like an act of surrender where like things just got better the next day. And then actually following his advice and doing the things he told me to do, my life improved dramatically. It's also like at some point being defined that rehab plays itself out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> at some point, yeah. you know, um, that's interesting. When I, when I, when I was at the rehab that we met at, I did most everything I was told. You know, I didn't, I was, I was down to get clean. You remember, I was yeah. totally down to get clean. Uh, and in the rehab book, and I'm also just. Except for, I mean, you were flirting yeah. with the ladies. Yeah, but I was still down to get clean. I was just bored, mm. you know. But um, fucking, uh, when I was at Renaissance, I mean, the thing is that it was my, my mistake was my honesty. Because when I was at Renaissance, I, I was just open about my ambivalence to getting clean. Like, I wasn't sure that I really wanted to get clean. Which I respect that. I think that's something that's more workable than somebody who's feeding you bullshit. Yeah, of course. I, I, was, I wasn't I was done. You know what I mean? I didn't want to stop. Uh... Although we had that with Francis when we were there. He, was, he expressed not even his ambivalence. He said, I'm going to get high the whole time. Went to all the groups, left and died. He said, I'm going to go die. He didn't say I was going to die. He just... He did. He, he did say that? So many, yeah, he sort of said he wanted to. He didn't, like, say it like that, though. Tell... tell. Let's talk about Francis for a second. Francis is a fucked up story, dude. I have I told you the whole deal with him ever? What happened with my counselor? I think you did. So there's this kid at the rehab Dave and I were with, and we were good friends with him. He was definitely like an outcast, sort of. You know what I mean? Marched to his own drummer. Brilliant. I walk in. I walk into this rehab. Remember, he wore those same pair of UGGs fucking every day. I already even slept with them. His roommate said. I was going to say they're like those furry, like female UGGs. In my memory, it was like bare feet, like that had toes and claws. (laughs) In my memory, it was like big bare feet, but they were disgusting UGGs. I walk into this place, and he's this kid incredibly handsome kid like filthy like uh but real like angelic like very intelligent very, very smart 
sick guitar player. I thought sick. he was gay. I thought he was for gay. a long time. He was just a beautiful kind of androgynous kid. Yeah, you know, and uh, he is oozing with talent. Yeah, and and brains. Yeah, and and good looks. You know, he yeah. was like incredibly charismatic. I mean, he was what eighteen, nineteen, young, fucking young. And and we would play music, and I I was just blown away by this kid. And when he started telling me that he was just going to leave and get high. Was, and he was there out of respect for his father. It was just so uh, disappointing and me trying to talk him out of that when he's 18 years old and I was 37. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so tell him. Yeah, so Dave and I would hang out with Francis. And then he actually was funny. He used to call me Freddy around other yeah, people. Yeah, I remember. And then people would think my name was Freddy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, did you? Yeah. Uh, so this kid, anyways, he's getting ready to go. He, like said he's only doing the 28 days and he's leaving and I was like good friends with him and I always I did tell him like you shouldn't go and stuff and my counselor pulls me aside and he actually says to me if Francis were to leave and to overdose and die would you feel responsible at all and I was like what do you mean and he's like I was like I tell him like he should stay and he shouldn't use and he's like well he's like he sees like you who've been through this a lot and like his it had like you could have been basically a better role model. He said that in so many words. He said know, it after Francis had left. He said it right before he left. He said you need to tell him that he has to stay, uh, and, you know, go on and do like the free extended care thing or something. Just stay longer, you know. And um, was there a free extended care thing there? Oh, you idiot! Uh, yeah, phase four it was free back then. Now it's just, now it costs money. And they changed it to e care. Um, so then what happens? So fucking he leaves, overdoses, and dies. Um, and we found out while we were there, right? We found out I was, I was there, and then I got a... This is even, like, more sad, is that we got... Um, Did we find out... Was I there, or I left? No, no, we didn't find... I was already in phase four. You were right. gone, too, because I remember telling you. I remember calling you and telling you from my, like, my boost phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I got a call from some girl who used to be his ex-girlfriend that he never talked about. Um, who said that she was going through his room cleaning it up and like she found like in Harlem or in Connecticut no in Connecticut at his parents house and she found my phone number on the floor what did she say she just wanted to know who I was and I was like oh I went to rehab with him and stuff I wonder if it said Freddy or Chris (laughs) I don't think he would have put Freddy for me maybe he you know he actually said first he probably would have put Freddy he yeah, and he had given me, I remember, For Whom the Bell Tolls. I still have it. And he, like, signed it, and I read that. He signed it? Yeah. What did he write? Dear yeah. Freddie, hang loose? No, he just wrote his name and his phone number. Oh. Anyway, that's a real bring-down story. But Francis, man. If you're listening. See, hope he's listening. What, in heaven? Yeah. Maybe they listen to Dopey in heaven? Probably. You really think listen so? Listen to everything. <laughs> oh man that's a fucking sad story though but that is the reality of drug addiction yeah. you know you can sit you can wind up in some idiot's fucking apartment on the lower east side and record a podcast about your drugs you did or you could just fucking die yeah and then the kid that he ov- that probably gave him the dope that he overdosed with ended up at mountainside while I was there too how do you know because it was, it was really weird. The kid and his girlfriend showed up. The kid was he ended up getting kicked out, and he was really weird. And I remember 
I, I somehow I found out that the, when Francis left, he like got high with him down around here somewhere, um, not lower, but in Manhattan somewhere. And um, I just remember asking him, and they got really weird when I would say stuff like the way you would get weird if you gave somebody dope and they died. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, what do you? Isn't there a fucking lesson here? What's the lesson? You just said it, dude. What was it? You just broke it down. Though you could either be in the Lower East Side recording dopey or dead. Yeah. I still, I think about Francis probably like every six months. <laughs> I thought you were going to say every day. No. I'm I think too about self-centered. Francis like once every, I'm too self-centered. Once every two years. <laughs> I'm too self-centered. <laughs> At first I did more, but he still like resurfaces, you know. But there's been a lot of Francis's in my life. This is even sadder. Like, people that I knew like him, probably at least 10. But that not, I knew and not great singers and guitar No, players. no, not all the other stuff. He was one guy, such an oh, No, one guy, though, he made me laugh so fucking hard, this one guy. He was hilarious. Funniest guy ever. And his name was Chris Farley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like Chris Farley. Yeah. Fucking Francis, man. Yeah. This is, this is, this, Fran, I don't, you think Francis would like Dopey? He would have loved Dopey. That's maybe that's a bad thing, though. Francis could have been a great guest on Dopey. He he was such a, he had a song about cherry wine that I thought was so good. He had a suicidal ideolation. He wanted to die. Yeah, I remember he loved Elliot Smith and fucking. Um, did Elliot Smith stab himself? He, he stabbed himself in his heart. Like, what a way! You know who else did that? Hmm. Artie Lang. He's not dead, though. No, but he tried to kill himself by stabbing himself to death. Wow. Artie Lang is the guy I want to I know. Play. You've said this before. You think Artie's I see him outside Comedy Cellar sometimes when I go in. He's never performing. He's always just, like, sitting on the show. Shut shoot. the fuck up. When did you see him? I've seen him multiple times just sitting outside when? the Comedy Cellar on, like, the stairs, like, kind of behind the bouncers where, where you couldn't that? go talk to him. It's in the village. That's the beginning of the Louisiana. The McDougal Street, yeah. When did you go there? I've been there like 10 times. I'm going to actually go on May 10th. Why don't you I'm going May me? 10th at 7. You want to go? Yes. 7.30. We can go at 10 if you want. I thought you said 7.30. Well, there's a couple shows. So Do you think Artie Lang will be there? There's always, like, Mike Babiglia is always there. Judah Friedlander is always we there. We should make a four um, extra large dopey t-shirt and just carry it with us if we ever see Artie. We need to get business cards. We need to do a lot of stuff. We need business cards and t-shirts. And, and maybe... Wait, here's the things I'm asking our audience. Number one, write an email. (laughs) Number two, write a review, and preferably a favorable one. Number three, do you want a t-shirt with the Dopey logo on it? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe we could do a t-shirt giveaway contest for the person who writes the most fake reviews on iTunes. They get a free t-shirt. Is that blood or barbecue sauce on your pants? (laughs) Um... I'm going to say chocolate, probably. But I don't know. Maybe we can answer that question on the next episode of Dopey. Have a good night, Dopey Nation. Stay strong. Represent. Good night. Good night.